0: Palm Sunday. It's unique among the Sundays of the year in having two gospel readings. We've heard the first one, the palm, the palm Sunday reading at the hospice, and we've just heard the second, the story of Good Friday. Two passages, the beginning and the end of the Passion story, read on this day and this way since the earliest days of the church. And there could not have been a more dramatic beginning to the narrative than that first Palm Sunday, in that moment when Jesus stepped forward to meet his death, when he fulfilled the prophecy of Zechariah about Israel's promised king, Lo, your king comes to you on a donkey's colt, triumphant and victorious. He shall command peace to the nations. He shall rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Powerful words. And the manner of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, enacting in as it did that well known prophecy was an open challenge to the religious establishment and to the Roman occupiers, and both of them recognized it for what it was. But Jesus's challenge was more than just a challenge to establish power, because a God sent kingship. That he claimed was not just an earthly kingship, though it was that, but a kingship of hearts and minds. His was a challenge not just to establish authority, established power, but to establish mindsets, established attitudes, established assumptions. Those powers in Jerusalem thought that they could meet this challenge in the usual way, by ridicule, by humiliation, by torture. How can one who has been flogged, who has been crowned with thorns in a cruel parody of a coronation, who is then tortured to death, how can such a man be acclaimed a king? How indeed? Indeed. Here is your king, cried Pilate. He's, he presented Jesus already half dead after his flogging, And the crowd, as was expected of them, hurled abuse at him and rejected him. And yet, despite everything, that famous image... Painted so many times over the centuries, that cry, here is your king, resonates and has resonated generation after generation. After so many great kings, conquering kings, wise kings, even love kings have come and gone, who is our king? Is he there in a palace on a throne? Maybe such a king is admired by the comfortable, by the powerful, by the rich. And much good may it do them. But the wretched of the earth. Look elsewhere. For them, their king is there. On Calvary. On the rubbish heap. Outside the city walls. Nailed up on that cross with the terrorists and the slaves. To someone of my generation, that phrase, the wretched of the earth, les damnés de la terre, are the people who lay at the heart of the last and greatest work of the Algerian philosopher Frantz Fanon. They are They were for him, in his writings, the uncounted ones, the unacknowledged ones, the forgotten ones, the economically and socially useless ones. And they were the only ones in Fanon's understanding who could truly see and also effectively challenge the injustices of the world. Fanon's was a powerful vision that certainly fired the imagination of the 18-year-old me. And Fanon's writings, nearly 60 years after his death, still resonate, still influence. For his damne de la terre are the ones among whom Jesus was numbered the end of his life. They are the ones with whom he chose to be numbered on the rubbish heap outside the city. And if we are to follow him, as he calls us to do, and as supremely we are called to do during this holy week, Then we have to follow him there and find our place there as he did and this involves putting aside all those things that make our lives comfortable all our niceness all our decency all the ways in which we are seen And the ways in which we like to be seen by the world. A world that, if we are honest, delights in us and approves of us. We have to lay aside these trappings. For that is all they are. Because they only serve to blind us and discover within ourselves and acknowledge at least to ourselves that when we have stripped away these trappings, we too are among les dames de la terre, that we too are among the wretched. We too have nothing. For it is only then when we accept what we have not that we can truly follow our Lord to where he is going this week outside the city to the rubbish heap and there find it in us to say here is our king here is where we see our God because it is here and only here on the Mount of Crucifixion, when we have nothing and bring nothing but our need, that we know what it is for the love of God to be poured out over us, a vast and gracious tide of love. This Lent I found myself playing over and over again on my computer from YouTube. What a marvellous blessing YouTube is. That lovely hymn written by the 19th century Welsh preacher William Rees. Here is love, vast as the ocean. It sounds better in the original Welsh, sung by Catherine Jenkins, and you can find that on YouTube. Because everyone knows that the Welsh language is a language of heaven. But the message is the same, whether in Welsh or in English or in any other language. For Reese imagines the love that we find at the cross as a vast ocean which pours out over us in an unstoppable tide on the Mount of Crucifixion, on that bleak place, in that terrible place, yet the floodgates are opened and we find, when we are stripped of everything, we thought we had to bring the extraordinary, the mysterious and boundless love of God washing round us through the floodgates pouring out on us. After the loss of our treasured trappings that we think we need so badly. That is the gain. But what gain? So let us this week make this journey. Setting aside everything that we thought we possessed and with nothing but our need, follow our Lord outside the city and there discover the glory that is God revealed.